Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiwumi. I'm going through the Acts of the Apostles in a form of teaching. And I believe the Lord will give you some more insight in what we are discussing here, just more or less reading the, the stories and stopping at some specific verses and giving some comments and so that we edify us, that we help us to know how to exercise our faith. And now it was done in the first church age, so that we can do likewise. I'm now in chapter 6 of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now remember in chapters 5 and 6, it was, this, we, it was uh, recorded that uh, the disciples started selling all their assets, houses that they have, lands that they have, and bring the money together and put it at the feet of the apostles so that distribution can be made to everybody. And that was done almost like Corboni, same type of thing. And God allowed it for for that dispensation, but we know that it, it finally faded away because by the time persecutors, persecution started against the apostles in Jerusalem, all of them were scattered. So if they have any way of giving distribution, that ended also. And that was maybe how many years right in Jerusalem before the persecution started. So we know that that was not a, a plan that this is what God wanted this church to do, but they started it and it's like a, a revival excitement and the zeal that the Lord is coming soon. The people say, what am I owning all this land for? Sell it, give the money to the distribution is being made, and the church was growing until the package started, everybody scattered from Jerusalem. Now, this is how it was at the, by chapter 6, where the Bible said they were doing daily ministration, which means some people are giving food and the widows are being ministered to with funding, financial, something, because they have the uh, common post. Verse 2 of Acts of the Bible, chapter 6. They said the apostles were in charge of all of these things. They, were, they realized that they cannot be doing the studying the word of God and trying to do the teaching and preaching. Because to do the word of God, you have to study. You have to research into the Old Testament, the letter, and pray. And and then they said, well, you have to be serving tables, getting money, for the, so they said they are going to have to do something, like administration. Verse 2 said, And then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So they classified the distribution of the money and the food to everyone that have need, by like a serving tables. It's a physical work. Give this man a bag of rice and so on and so forth. Give this widow a, a, some this much money. So that was what it meant by serving tables. Wherefore, verse 3, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. 
But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they showed Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, or Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they said before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now that was what people will classify as deacons. Deacons are people that help us in the church. Whether they are helping them type letters in your church office or things like that, or they are helping to get these donations and put the bag of the bag in the church like this where they have people donate money. Every Sunday, somebody will take the bag, count the money, those are dickens. That's the pastor that should be doing all of those. So that is what serving tables is all about. This in that same beginning of the church. And it didn't say some people to be appointed, but you have to appoint the right people that are going to be trustful. So they said people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, yes. Full of faith. Holy Ghost and wisdom. Whom they can appoint unto this. So they said seven people. So they chose these men. Verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now the sermon, the preaching was going for the priests. You know, remember the chief priests and so on. They were the ones that persecuted Christ. But now that the gospel is the God, the church has started, and people are, and they are preaching that this theological Christ is resurrected. And they are saying, Science and wonder, many of those priests, not the chief priests, the chief priests are the rulers, and they have some priests also. But all of, many, of the, many of them believe and begin to follow the doctrine of the apostles. We don't know about the chief priests and high priests. They were still persecutors. And you see that as it goes on. Now he's going to talk about Stephen now. Now, now the 77 brethren that were chosen for serving tables made them truly stand out. Also, because when they said, choose seven men out of you, so they showed men that are stand out in the crowd. Either because of what they do, praying for other people, or witnessing to other people, and miracles happen to them. As you go about in your business, on your way, and you talk to somebody, and the Lord shows signs and wonders, that you are becoming a standout among the crowd. So that was how they chose these seven men. And Stephen was the first they mentioned, that he was full of faith, because he was doing some great witnessing and signs and wonders to are following him. And Christ said this, signs and wonders, you follow everybody. But it depends how are you going, are you going out or you are just staying at home. You have to keep going. I remember when I was in Africa and I was going from village to village. Every day after work, I, come, I go to work 8 to 5 and at 5 p.m. I just drove to the next village, the nearest village with my jeep. I bought the jeep for that purpose. So that means I was going, I was going. And then signs will follow. That's what Christ said. This sign shall follow. So if you are going, the sign will follow. The Lord Jesus Christ is going with us. It's not that we are just going on by own because there are places where we go and the satanic forces, satanic, satanic men that wanted to test their voodoo, they challenge the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and they found that yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. When they tried their voodoo and their voodoo didn't work, they knew that no, these people, these people have suffer from some authority. And sometimes we don't make us see the satanic spirit, they call to come and attack us in the in, in you may open our eyes to see that's the life we're coming and we bind the satanic spirit. And then that, those people that are sending the satanic spirit on the air will know that, yes, these people, 
uh, have God indeed, and they begin to surrender. That happened even in our own day, in our own generation. I have experiences like that that I've reported. So that was what was going on. This is how people, these men that stood out, they stood out of the crowd. They stood out of the crowd because of the, the witnessing they were doing individually, personally, and in the city, and the Lord was following him with signs. So that's why he said, verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Verse 9, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. So you can see Stephen was going about any time he is having an opportunity, he tried to witness. And when you are witnessing, you are going to run into confrontation with people that don't want to believe. And they mentioned these people that are of this angle. Every, every in, the, in Judea in those days, people that are from this tribe or some people that are from this country or they are Jews, but they may be from that country because they were last where you are born. So almost like saying, you come to America right now, you go to a church where they are all Ghanaians. Why? Because they are immigrants from Ghana. All these are, they are all Ethiopians. I was in a church somewhere there, and, uh, and, I, saw, and I saw a Ghanaian or an Ethiopian church. I saw an Ethiopian church, and they were speaking Ethiopian language. And I, of course, and because they are blood, that's why I went to their mission to California. But when they were talking, they were speaking Ethiopian language in their, so I couldn't fellowship with them much because I didn't understand the Ethiopian language they were, they were speaking. So there are so many, that's what was going on with, in this uh, act of the apostles also. There are people that were Jews that came from this part of the world. When they were coming to Jesus, they made up, they have their own synagogue. So they say the synagogue of the Libertines, Cyrenians, Alexandrians. And I was reading verse 9. They said, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen, and they would debate and argue. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then the stubborn men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders, and the scribes, and came upon him, and caught him, and brought him to the council. So that was a persecution that was starting one by one, where people, if you are not talking to anybody, you are on your own, somebody said, if you, are, if you are not being persecuted by the devil, you must be going in the same direction with the devil. And when you are not going in the same direction, of course you are going to run into the devil. The Satan is not going to be well pleased with what you are doing. So we are not afraid when the devil is persecuting whatever form of persecution he rose up against believers when we are preaching the God of truth. As long as you go out and preach, there will be some blessing off of eyebrow by the devil. So that was what was going on here. And Stephen was noted because he was always going about witnessing and preaching, telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ is, about, is coming to do. And that was why that was why they that was why they persecuted him hotly. Uh, because these people didn't believe what he was saying, or they, they have opposition to what he was saying. So they start up people and, 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 and grab over of Stephen, and they start up the people and the elders and the scribes, and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. They brought Stephen to the council. 
and set of false witnesses which said, This man ceased not to speak blasphemy words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall shake the customs which Moses delivered us. Now, see what, what they were saying. Uh, 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 Stephen was just telling them the truth because they, may not, they didn't want to accept it that there will be destruction of Jerusalem. They were just telling them what Jesus Christ prophesied that Jerusalem will be destroyed, that they have prophesied it, Jerusalem will be destroyed. To be that generation and kill the Messiah that will be destroyed and the Jerusalem will be destroyed and they will be scattered. And you, you must have been confronting them or pointing it out to them so that they better come and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. They better repent. But see, these people don't want to hear that. They think Israel is forever. They think God is for Israel. So if you say anything against Jerusalem and against the, uh, the, the same thing happened in this of Jeremiah. Remember the story of Jeremiah the prophet? God told him to warn the people that they have, they have, they have gone away from God. Yes, these people are priests. They have prophets in their, in their temple, in the temple in this of Jerusalem. The man was saying, God is bringing a Nebuchadnezzar to come and take over the place and destroy the city. Now, to them, that was blasphemy in the days of Jeremiah. So they arrested Jeremiah too and threw him into the dungeon and tried to beat him. They tried to kill him. But he was telling them what God told you. He would try to say, Well, I won't tell them anymore because these people are against it. Because you better open your mouth and say, or I will confound you. In the end, the Nebuchadnezzar came and took all of them away and destroyed the city and destroyed the temple. Just like Jeremiah prophesied. Because it was God that said, and they were thinking, God is on our side. God is on our side. It will never happen. It happened. Because God said, you are, you are against what you are doing over there. And the same thing is what the Lord Jesus told them. That there will be a day of vengeance for Christians, including himself. So Stephen was more or less just using that to witness to these people to come to Christ, to repent. And they said, you are saying that this Jesus is going to destroy this place. And they were offended. That he was even saying that to them that was blasphemy against Jerusalem. And that was the bone of contention they had against Stephen. He was telling them the truth because it did not happen. It happened. We can look back 70 AD, just like 40, 40, before 40 years before after this thing, after Christ was crucified, about 40 years after, they rebelled against Rome. And Rome came and destroyed the whole place and scattered the whole Jewish people worldwide. But that was what Stephen was telling them, like Jesus Christ already prophesied it, that it's going to happen. To make them to come to Christ, and they were opposing it, and they were against it. They say, "We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, and shall change the custom which Moses delivered us." So that was what they were reporting. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. See, the glory of God was being radiated from the eyes of from the face of Stephen. Now, verse chapter seven. I'm going to go straight to chapter seven. Then said the high priest, are, are these things so? I mean, they're asking Stephen. Is this thing so? Are you, are you sure of what you're saying? So now he was going to give them a lengthy sermon. Opportunity to give them a lengthy sermon. Actually, the said, when they shall drag you before the council, before the, before the priest, before the, in the, in the place where they are, drag you to the courts. You don't premeditate what you're going to say. The Holy Ghost is going to speak through your mouth. And that was what happened in this chapter 7. The Holy Ghost was speaking through the mouth of Stephen and gave them the history lesson of their fathers 
how they have always opposed the prophets, how they have always opposed God. And now they have also done the same thing and killed the Messiah. And he was saying before the council of this chief priest that killed the Lord Jesus Christ, and also all those people, they were hidden, they were there. And he was going to give them this history lesson and summarize it by calling them stiff-necked people. And that got all the people in the council to be angry. So let's read the old passage of chapter 7 as Stephen was telling them this life history of the Jews. Verse 2 of chapter 7. And he said, Men, brethren, and father, Akin, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Gildians and dwelt in Sharon. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. That's just history. Just telling them what, was, what happened that we all read. They all read it. They all knew about it. He was telling them, let me tell you the history of how we all got here. Verse 5 says, And he gave him, he gave Abraham none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him. When as yet he had no child. We all remember that Abraham was looking, was asking God for a child for almost 25 years. Finally, he, I, they worked out something and Ishmael was born. Later, God came and gave them Isaac and said, This is the promise. So, verse 6. And God spake. On this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them evil four hundred years. Verse seven, and the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. Verse eight. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. So now he just summarized the plan of God and the promise God gave to Abraham. And now finally Abraham brought Isaac, and Isaac got Jacob, and Jacob now got the twelve patriarchs. He's going to continue to tell us the story about Joseph, how the patriarchs did to Joseph. Verse 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Now he's kind of wondering, so he's telling them all this history, and this high priest and chief priest are all listening. Yeah, they knew about this thing. You know, they want to hear the story all over again. So he was telling them the story, but he was going to the punchlines at the end. Verse 10 said, And delivered him about Joseph. He said, They sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and God delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Verse 11 says, Now there came a deer to over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction on our fathers, I mean the patriarchs, the 12, uh, 12 uh, sons of Jacob. They found no sustenance, but when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our father's face. And the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred. Three score and fifteen souls. You can look, go and look at that in the book of uh, Exodus. How many people came with Jacob to Egypt? It's a three score and fifteen. That's seventy-five total, including Jacob. Seventy-five. 
So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers. Or maybe it was just descendant of Joseph, Jacob. Without Jacob, I have to go check that chapter again to see was this 75 plus Jacob or 75 without Jacob. Verse 60 said, Jacob died, and, and, our, and our fathers, mean all the sons of Jacob, they, left, they all lived in Egypt and all died in Egypt. But Jacob was carried back to Canaan for burial. And they were carried over into Shechem. Look like all of them were carried over to Shechem one by one, by one. they all died one by one. And later in the sepulchre, oh, we only know about the story of Jacob in the book of Genesis, uh, Exodus. Because he told them, actually, Genesis told them that they must not bury him in Egypt. He made, he made Joseph, his son, to, to swear unto him that he will not be buried in Egypt. He wanted to be buried where Abraham and Isaac were, were buried. So we see that in the book of Genesis. Let's see, let's read that in Genesis chapter 49. was when he gave the blessing to all of the children. Verse 29 of Genesis chapter 49, Jacob was blessing his 12 sons, and he shouted them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim. Details. That was what Jacob already made Joseph to swear. And Joseph was the prime minister, so he said, well, I will do that. So when he finally died, in chapter 50, you can read Genesis chapter 50, when Jacob finally died, they carried him to Canaan. Joseph and all the people went and buried him, and then they came back to Egypt and lived. And that was what uh, Stephen was just reminding them all this story. And now we are in Acts of the Apostles chapter 7. We have arrived at... Uh, Verse 16, now after Jacob died, he was carried and he, according to this, it looked like all the, all, the, all the sons of Jacob, when they all died, maybe they were all also carried back to him. But that was not uh, reported in the book of Moses. They just knew that if they all were one by one carried, like, well, if they are children, just throw down and come back. Okay, verse 17, but when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God has sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose which knew not Joseph. You know, you are talking about 400 years. They were in that Egypt for 400 years. The Pharaoh that brought that, uh, that knew Joseph, why maybe Joseph was a great person. So after 100, after 100 years, Joseph lived for about 120 years or so. Something like that. So now, another 100 years came later, another Pharaoh has been there, another Pharaoh has been there. We are talking about four Pharaohs down the line, perhaps, uh, or another, but they call it the same Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, 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 and then the new Pharaoh thought that these people are in, immigrants, you know. It's always happened. They now think these people are immigrants. They think they need to do something about them. So that was what was happening. Another king arose, which knew not Joseph. Verse 30 said, the same dared subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. You can go read that in the book of the story of Moses when he was born. They were now trying to kill anyone that is a Jewish baby boy in uh, Exodus chapter 1 and 2. Verse 20 says, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fear and nourished up in his father's house three months. 
And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. We're going to read that in Exodus chapter 2, verse 3 to 10. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Now, you see, can go and read that in the book of Exodus. So, Stephen was more or less just summarizing everything they have learned about their fathers in this, in this sermon, giving the priest and the chief priest and the council a lesson on history. And he said, Moses defended the, 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 the one that was being oppressed, and by that he killed an Egyptian. Verse 25 says, For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. He said, How did you know? Why? Because he was supposed to be a slave, but somehow from birth, the, the daughter of Pharaoh adopted him when he was cast on the river and said, Well, I like this baby, and make him a son. His mother became the nurse rather than the mom. So now he was raised in the palace. So after he was getting to be a man, a 40 year old, he realized, well, gee, and he knew that he was actually Hebrew. So he knew that well, somehow God didn't just put me here in this palace for, for, no, for, for nothing. He knew that somehow God is going to work out where he could help to deliver these people. But the anger was raging inside him that they have been oppressed. These people have been mistreated. You could see that even though he was in the palace, that he was just a son of a daughter of, a daughter of Pharaoh, according to the, how they have put him just like a prince. But he was getting anger in himself that these people have been mistreated. So one day he killed some Egyptian as a revenge. And now he knew that that was a crime. So he had to run away. So that was what happened to Moses, you can read all of those in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, 2, and 3, how it, how it happened. But Stephen was giving them this history lesson for a purpose. He said he, he, he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Verse 26, and the next day, I'm reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, verse 26. And the next day, he showed himself unto them as they strove. And will have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do you wrong one to another? You see, that was how people would think, well, this should, this should have come and said that we have brothers here. We shouldn't be fighting and calling and mistreating one another. Yeah, but the one that is really evil among the two that are fighting, we do not like that. But, said, 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 but he that did his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Without kill me as thou did the Egyptian yesterday. So he, that man knew to make him to know that I knew what you did yesterday with that Egyptian. He wanted to kill me too. And that made Moses flee because he thought this thing was secret. I don't know how he meant it was secret. Maybe he cornered that Egyptian. He saw the Egyptian mistreating the, the Hebrew and he saw it and he went and cornered the Egyptian where the Egyptian would go and, and, and get rid of the Egyptian. Not knowing that some people saw him. And he thought nobody knew. So some people saw it and whispered to one another, you know that man? That, and that's when they saw it and they told one another, he knew that so he could have got to the ears of other people also. So when they said, are you going to kill me? Are you killed that Egyptian yesterday? 
So he knew that everybody knew about this thing. So he knew he was going to be arrested very soon by Pharaoh. So he fled. Verse 29 said, Then fled Moses at this scene and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. He was gone for good for 40 years. So you can remember that. 40 years. It was 40 years before he ran away. Now he was just gone for good. I mean, he just left them alone and escaped for his life. That was exactly what was the story of Moses. You can read all of those in the book of Exodus. But 40 years now, it was then 80 years so before God manifested and said, Now is the time for me to use, to use you, Moses. Because many times we have, we have zeal. We knew God wanted to use us, but we didn't know how. So we tried to do it ourselves, and then we failed. And then we just gave up. But when the Lord is ready, and we are ready really, then the Lord will come back. That was what happened to Moses. And when 40 years were expired, I started. When 40 years were expired, that's 40 years in, in out of Egypt now. 40 years in, uh, in the, in, in the, among the Midianites. They appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled, and does not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Now, many people have pointed this one out, that any place where God stopped, where God landed, is holy. It's not the place that was holy before God came. It was God that come down and make the place holy. That is really the, the point that the Lord always points out. This is holy ground. The same way when you remember when Joshua was near Jericho. See? And he said he saw an angel came down with a sword. And he said, oh, are you on our side or on the side of uh, our enemy? He said, well, I know I am the captain of the Lord's house. And Moses and uh, and uh, Joshua fell down and worshipped and said, what do you want to say to your servant? The first thing the angel told Joshua is that take your shoe off of your feet because you are standing on the holy ground. So it's not, the, it's not Jericho that is holy ground. It is wherever the Lord stepped is holy ground. So that is really why that desert where Moses was driving his, his cattle, his sheep, suddenly turned out to be holy ground when God came down. So remember that. Verse 34 says, I have seen, that's God talking to Moses now, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. God called them my people. And I have heard their groaning and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. Verse 35 says, This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Now, you can see a correlation. Stephen is bringing the Holy Ghost through the Stephen. He says, the Holy Ghost is talking through the mouth of Stephen. Even though it looked like he's telling the history that Stephen knew, and all these chief priests and high priests, they all knew this history. He was just reminding them of what happened. He said, this same Moses, they refused. He said, but only one man said it. Well, that is not for Moses to think, the old people, all these people know about this. That who made you to be a ruler of us? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? So that is that means that the old people refused Moses. 
because they would have known that be, me being raised in the palace, maybe God is going to work out something. I'll be able to talk to the Pharaoh to let these people be delivered from all these bondages or something like that. But he said they didn't understand that. So they thought, why are you trying to be a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like kill the other person? That's, and then Stephen said, through this, Holy Ghost taking through, through Stephen that they refused Moses. Moses, whom they refused. Him, God now sent to come and be a deliverer for them. And the same, in, when you compare that with our Lord Jesus Christ, these chief priests and rulers that said they don't want this man, this man is not their messiah, they rejected him. That's why Jesus Christ said, The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This same Lord Jesus Christ that they rejected and they say he's not their messiah is the Lord from heaven himself. The Lord from heaven. And so the same way, and he's the one that's going to deliver the whole mankind. And yet, the Jewish rulers rejected it. And so, it's a correlation. And so, this, this, uh, sermon, this uh, sermon that uh, Stephen was preaching to them, telling them their history, from the Holy Ghost in speaking through the mouth of Stephen, according to the Lord said, when they brought you before the rulers and uh, magistrates to, as a persecution, don't even pray, but what I'm going to say, just let the Holy Ghost speak through your mouth, and he will still speak as the... Holy Ghost speaking did the man doesn't mean that they will not kill the man because they killed Stephen after the end of this story. But see, the Holy Ghost has delivered the message. We are messengers. And the Holy Ghost is going, going to deliver the message. No matter what happens next, we are ready to stand for it. And that is really what happened when God sent people out. They may persecute you, they may beat you up, but see, God is satisfied that you lay your hand, life down for, for Christ. So verse 37 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7 is what we are reading. And this Moses, whom they refused, God sent him to be a deliverer. Verse 35. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler with thee and a judge, the same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Verse 36. So he brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea. And in the wilderness, 40 years, another 40 years. So by the time Moses died, it was 120 years. But Sarasim said, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Him shall ye hear. Verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. What are the lively oracles? All these laws, all these precepts and statutes that Moses wrote down for them. This is how to set up a government. This is how to do service of the priest for, the, for God. Moses set them in order according to God. To, that's a lively oracle. Oracles are the words of the God. Words of God that you should, that we make men live and please God. That was the oracle. That's why he said, the, Moses delivered to them a lively oracle. And if they follow you, they will live. Verse 39. To whom our fathers will not obey, but trust him from them. And in their hearts, turn back again to Egypt. You can remember that story. They wanted to go back to Egypt. When they said, this Moses, you have making yourself Lord of us. When Moses went for 40 days on the mountain, they said, we don't know what happened to this Moses. Set up a God that go with us, go before us. And sometimes they wanted to go back to Egypt. They were angry. 
Verse 4, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. So they were saying Aaron to make a god for them. So which means the god of Moses, they couldn't see him. So they need a god they can see. That's sad, no sir. Verse 41. So and they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their owners. This is still Holy Ghost speaking through Stephen. Verse 42. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the oaths of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have you ever to me slain beasts and sacrifice? You took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God raven farm, figures which ye made to worship them, I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So that was the first thing that the Holy Ghost was talking through Stephen that said, God promised I was going to carry them away from away to Babylon. Verse 44. And he went on and said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus, that means Joshua, really, he's talking of Joshua, into the possession of the Gentiles. That means they brought it into the Joshua leading them into the, into the land of the, of the Canaanites, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. King David, who found favor before God and decided to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Verse 47 says, But Solomon built him an house. Verse 47, Albeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. You see that? He's now bringing it down to the New Testament. He said, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. But see, when they make a temple and think, Well, God, we need a place where we can be coming to meet you. So he said, the prophet said in verse 49, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? Say the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these all things? Now verse 51 is where he begins to bring in the, the indictment. Say, so, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. Now remember, they are looking at Stephen like a maybe 20-something-year-old man. And this chief priest and high priest, and they are sometimes in their 60s and their 50s, and the council, they are all elders, and they say, it's the men, brethren, and, brethren and fathers. Is that what you see when you started the, the discussion? So that you may know that he, they are, to them, they think of him as a, as a young man. But you see, the men, brethren, and fathers is what he started with. That's when he always started talking, and then the goes took over. He said, just like Jesus Christ was preaching, they would look at him as if something young man. How can you talk to us like this? But see, when the Holy Ghost is the one talking, he's ancient of days. Ancient of days. I remember when I was in Nigeria and I went to preach in a place where there had been reports of kidnapping and uh, ritualistic worship. And I went there to confront those people and they confronted me indeed. And they said, don't you know we are older than you? I said, well, the, the, the Lord that sent me on this errand it's older than all of us. Why are you not obeying him? They thought I should be obeying, I should do what they say because they are older than me. They are almost old, they are as old as my dad in that generation, in that time, 1977, And I said, well, the Lord God has sent me on this errand is older than all of us. Why are you not obeying him? So why do you think I should listen to you when you are not listening to the Almighty God? So they kept their mouth shut instantly. So that is exactly what, uh, what the, the indictment 
He said, this chief priest and ruler will be looking at this man, young man, and say, Stephen was calling us stiff naked. This one was Stephen, calling them stiff naked. This was the Holy Ghost talking through the mouth of Stephen. In verse 51 of Acts of Apostles chapter 7, say, ye stiff naked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. I was talking about the, you are you guys are listening to me, you are all the ones that killed the Messiah. That's what I mean, the, the just one. You have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. You know what I say? You say, well, if God speaks, then we obey. Well, an angel gives you a law, you will obey. That's why you have. You will receive the law by the disposition of angels and you did not keep it. So, what one do you want to, to, to confirm that this is God that spoke this thing? And, we are, and you are not obeying it. Verse 54. Now that's where the reaction of these chief priests and rulers are going to be reported. See, when they heard these things, they were caught to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. I mean, they were angry now. And that was at the end of his sermon. Verse 55 says, But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven because he just saw a vision. His eyes opened to see the Lord Jesus Christ in the sky. And the Lord Jesus Christ was pleased with what he has just delivered to them. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he told everybody, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Well, when he says Son of Man, uh, I'm not sure whether they really understood he was saying he saw Jesus. Or he, they thought he was saying he himself was one the Son of Man. So whatever it is, the devil roused up this crowd of listeners of chief priests and they were, they were ready to kill him because he said he saw heaven, he saw God. But they don't say, well, how can you say you saw God? You see God. You see God. You see God. And then they say, that's blasphemy. Because they say, God, you just saw them. Say, behold, I see heavens open. And the Son of Man standing at the, on the right hand of God. You see God? And now they will kill you for saying you see God. Because they think that's blasphemy. How dare you say you see God? When Moses said, you can't see God. The people imagine that God is so... And yet, God can manifest in form of a theophany. God can manifest to you in a vision. That doesn't mean you are seeing the fiery one that Moses says, I, I stumbled and I, I screamed. You no, know, it's just a manifestation. When God shows himself to us in dreams and in visions, it's just manifestation. He told Moses that nobody can see, can be alive and see me and still live. That's if you come in the bright light. But see, in a vision, he's not showing himself in the bright light. You just show an image to Stephen. You just saw a presence of a, a throne. In vision now, God can open your eyes to see a vision of a throne. It will look like a throne of a king. And somebody sits on that throne, you will not see the face of the person, but just somebody sits on that throne. And that was what he was replaying, and that showed that that's God he saw on the throne. And so it was just manifestation. Not the one that says, if you see, no man can see me and still be alive, which is the fire when it manifests in our physical realm. It will be like the sun brings to your, close to you. Because of the fiery, he said, as he consuming fire, he devouring fire. That is not the one he saw. He was seeing the manifestation of God, the throne of God. And he was reporting it. But these people who say, well, you are, you are telling lies. You can't see God and still be alive. <laughs> That's really what we make them say is blasphemy. He said, I saw heaven open and the Son of Man 
meaning Jesus, standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. We don't want to hear this. And ran upon him with one accord. I mean, they said, this is blasphemy. You don't want to hear blasphemy. They put their hands and said, let's kill it. They, and cast him out of the city and stone him. And say, why didn't God show? God does not show up. See? God will allow men to do that because he has said that will be persecuted. He allowed the persecution. God could have shown up with an angel and they would run back. You know? God said, this is how it is written to, for Stephen to all this thing we are experiencing for God, it has already been pre-recorded in heaven. Anyone that's going to be killed for the name of Christ, it's already pre-recorded, that was how the man will go. So it's not like this thing surprised God that they did this. Nothing surprised God, even the Lord Jesus said it. If it were possible, take this cup from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That was how it was written that the Messiah should die. That was why they were successful in crucifying the Messiah. For our purpose, for, to save us. See, that is everything that we are going through that for God is already pre-recorded. We are just walking through a movie that's already pre-recorded. So God, you have to show up and say, surprise, they are, want to kill my servant, let me show an angel. No, if unless he has been recorded, the angel will show up like Peter was delivered by an angel. And then later he was crucified in, or he was killed in Rome. So, but what I'm saying is that everything about our life that we are living for God is already pre-recorded in the heart of God. And that is how it's going to be. In fact, the angel witnessed to Daniel, in the book of Daniel, that I will show you that which is written in the scripture of truth. You mean there's the scripture of truth in heaven? Yes. He said, I will show you what is written. But see, what he was showing to Daniel was what will come to pass, not something that's already passed. But we know only what is past as we are rewriting history of what we experienced. But see, the angel was telling Daniel what is coming to pass. Told him about the king of Grecia that we call, which is Alexander the many hundred years before that happened. Told him about the king's kingdoms of Roman Empire that will come hundreds of years later. So those are things that are already written in heaven. That that's how it's going to happen. So that is why I'm saying God doesn't have to send an angel to stop them. Why? Because it has already been written that that was how Stephen was going to die. And God just allowed them to do that. And Stephen was, was clapped for him. The logical stood up to clap for Stephen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That is really what we believe was that when Jesus said, Jesus Christ stood up. He said he was standing up. He was formally said that he said he was sitting at the right hand of God. But now he said he's standing on the right hand of God. It's like acknowledging Stephen because he was coming to, to meet him very soon. And now they stoned Stephen and cast him out of the city, verse 58. And the witnesses, people that stoned him, laid, their, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That was Saul of Tarsus called, became Apostle Paul. He was one of them that stoned Stephen. They even say he was the one that was the spearheaded, spearminded the thing. Because when they say they, gather, they put their garment down, they say, because they always have something that can, they want to be, take their robe off and hold the robe and they run after Stephen with stones. So that was what they mean by they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. That was how. Luke reported it. Of course, Luke was finally following Apostle Paul later. So he was saying, he, Apostle Paul told him, he was the one that did that in Verse 59. And they stole Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. That was the end of chapter 7. 
And the Lord expected us that when we are persecuted, we should be praying for those that persecute us. That was exactly a first experience, that uh, a testimony that the Holy Ghost took over the, 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 the life of Stephen, and he was able to still pray for them, just like our Lord Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. All those people that are persecuting believers, they don't know what they were doing. If they know, they would have done it. They know that this is God's people indeed. They would dare, they would never have done that. Like the Islamic jihadists that were cutting head of some Christians in, in Iraq that we read about in our generation recently, some years ago. If they knew what they were doing, they would have done it. They, they, didn't, know, they didn't believe that these are the true people of God. That was why they did that. But Christ said, Pray for them that persecute you. Because Stephen was praying for them, and one of the people he was praying for was this man, Saul of Tarsus. He finally turned to be a, an apostle. Because you see from that chapter 8, as we're going to next time, apostle, this Saul of Tarsus became a ringleader of persecutors, had a gang of hooligans and arresting every Christian, going from house to house, arresting them. That was, you see that in chapter 8, and every, every Christian began to flee from Jerusalem. That was the persecution. Let's continue. I'm going to continue this in the next. Chapter. God bless you.